Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Curtain Call podcast. It is Sports Broadcasting Hall of Famer and my boss, John Filippelli and Chris Sheeran. And uh, Flip, the Yankees just continue as we tape this on a Wednesday afternoon after they swept Toronto in that short series in the Bronx. Uh, it was only a two-gamer, but uh, l- listen, these games against these in-division rivals, especially early in the season, uh, these count. You know, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter that it's May. These count, and they they count big time. Is that a statement or a question? I, that, or that's what? just leading you down a road, my friend. All right, uh, leading me down the road. Okay. Um, yes, you're right. I mean, they, uh, the game you win, as we always said, the game you win in April or May is just as important as the game you're going to win in, you know, August and September, it's, they all count. So especially the head to heads, as you mentioned, because go back, uh, go back a year ago, the Yankees lost was a 10, nine to the Red Sox season series. And that, that gave the Red Sox the, the wild card, you know, game up at Fenway, which is obviously having a distinct advantage having that game. And I know that goes away now that it's not going to be a one game wild card anymore, but, but having said that uh, it still matters to get that, uh, to get to every you know every game at home that you possibly can in a playoff. So so these games are very important for a number of reasons. And you know uh, so let me tell you they, they, the Yankees have been just awesome. I, uh, I didn't I did I no, I didn't see a start like this for them. You know, they, they were meandering in the beginning at seven and six, and I go here we go here we go again. It's sort of back and forth and. What kind of team do we really have? I mean, I, I, there's a lot of promise, a lot of potential here, but I don't really know how solid this team really is. And the way they're playing right now, I mean, they they made uh, they put anybody who doubted them to to to, to rest. Anybody who doubted them is uh, is uh, not in a conversation anymore because this team is doing it and they're doing it every conceivable way, every way you want to, any metric you want to use. The Yankees are are are, are, are trending. In their, in, the, in their history, which is obviously very impressive, historically well almost. Sack flies, uh, putting runners in motion. Uh, they're scoring in different ways. Yes, they are still using the home run. They walked it off with Aaron Judge in that first game on Tuesday with the Blue Jays. Uh, but, Flip, you made the point. I mean, this is a team that we've seen in previous years. And, and we can't forget to mention, you know, we're almost halfway through May. And I'll knock on wood, you know, the health that that's been one of the big time factors with this team the past couple of years, they have to stay healthy and so far so good. And we're seeing, I mean, look, when Aaron Boone has to find days to get guys back in the lineup and he's sitting DJ LeMayu to get guys back in the lineup to get Giancarlo Stanton out left field or, or right field and to get him DH days. That's a good problem to have. That is an extremely good problem to have. And I think that's why they've been able to be so successful. There have been, there were a number of people who scoffed at the, the, the changing of the lineup every day to give somebody, it's one of the players, one of the regulars a rest pretty much every day. And there was a situation where guys were playing one or two games and it was season getting a day off. Three games, and people say, that's a little silly, isn't it? And a lot of, I know some of the players were wondering about why why, why, why the why not have the consistent lineup? Why? Because every you know, baseball players are like a lot of people are creatures of habit, and they want certain certitude, and, and they weren't getting the certitude in the lineup construction. 
So, I mean, there were a lot of questions about that, but I'll tell you what, it's actually proven to work. I mean, so listen, the Yankees have a lot of older players, a number of older players, and anytime you can give them, give them a rest, I think it's probably a good thing to do, even early in the season, because they have people who can replace them and, and replace them, and, you, and the drop-off is either non-existent or very, or very little significance, if at all. So the Yankees have a lot of consistency in, in the, the quality of their players. And they're, they're, I mean, Boone is playing. Oh, Boone and, and the and the uh, front office are playing a very aggressive game on the bases, uh, stealing bases, hit and run. You know, doing things that they normally didn't do. It wasn't really the Yankee way. It was get on base, and wait for three run homers. But now I think they realize that you can't always win with that. And they're letting the power be the power, and they're trying to manufacture runs where they can, and you know, get the extra base wherever they can, and that's paying off for them. And then, as we talked about it, the starting pitching, the bullpen. I mean, the deep the defense has been incredible. Everything about this team—they're just clicking on all cylinders. You know, we talked about it last week, and, and they weren't getting anything out of their catchers, and they're really still not getting anything out of their catchers. But Michael Kay and Paul O'Neill and Cameron Maven talked about it on our broadcast on Wednesday, and they all said it. You know, you could hide that when yes. the rest of the lineup. And I thought Paul some, said something that was uh, very, very, there you go. Uh, and that's the fact that it's cyclical. You know, you'll have some guys in the lineup that are struggling, but you'll have other guys to pick you up. And right now, you know, you know, as well as anybody, it's pitching, it's defense and timely hitting. And since we're on the, the offense, there's been nothing but timely hitting with this team so far. And I lead you back to Tuesday's game with the Blue Jays. And uh, how about the big walk that Trevino worked to get on base to bring Judge up to have him hit that three run homer. So everything just seems to be clicking. I think it's I think it's overrating a situation to say that everybody has to hit. Most teams, I mean, Buck Showalter would always tell me, and he's right. I mean, he's always right about that's because he's Buck, because Buck is always right about a lot of things. But Buck used to say, uh, he'd say, you know, to me it comes down to meeting him, not me meeting him. It would come down to the last three slots in the lineup because he would say the first six guys on most teams are relatively equal, not always, but somewhat equal in, in terms of whatever. It's really the last three guys. If you can get the, the, the last three guys in the lineup to hit, give you anything, that's probably going to be the reason the team wins. It's going to be the, the bottom of your lineup that gives you contributions as opposed to giving you virtually very little, def- offensively anyway. And when I was when I was younger and I was growing up, I mean, a lot of times you had shortstops who now you shortstop's a different position, but it used to be what shortstops didn't hit. Very few shortstops could hit. Right. So they were there for their defense or catches were in for their defense and whatever. I mean, how many great offensive catches are there? I mean, Rio Muto and his Sal Perez. I mean, there's not that many great offensive catchers. But, you know, it's it's really about you know what you could do defensively. You could carry a body. You might even be able to carry two if the gloves are significant enough. If you have getting major contributions from the other seven or eight you know positions, you can carry it. Uh, a ninth position that isn't very that doesn't have to be strong offensively. So I don't think that's as, that's as important as uh, you know people are making. Well, they're not hitting. Well, okay, not everybody's going to hit, and you're right. It, and not everybody hits at the same time. It's a matter of who gets hot, and you, you, you need to have a, have enough players being hot who can make solid contributions. So you know, so your lineup becomes formidable. Well, we talked about the offense and the timely hitting, but we we'll get to the defense in a second because I know that's a major part of the early season success, but let's work backwards first with the starters, uh, the pitching Jamison Tyone uh, on Wednesday, as we taped this, I mean, he went out there in that first inning flip through 27 pitches in the first inning, loaded the bases with nobody out. And Yankee fans had to be saying, okay, here's the Jamison Tyone from last year. And here we go again. And 
but he's been one of the most successful pitchers in baseball since last July. His record improved flip to 16 and four since last July with a 316 ERA. And that's tied with Alec Manoa record wise of the Blue Jays. And you got to think when you're a pitcher and you're his, his breaking stuff, I was listening to John and Susan because I was running around and they were saying his breaking stuff wasn't in, it wasn't located well. And he had to go back to his fastball all the time. And if you keep doing that against this Blue Jays lineup sooner or later, you're going to get cooked. But he figured it out. And you have to give him a lot of credit for locking in, locking down, only giving up that one run in the first inning and holding it together to give his team a chance to win. Look, he's got really good stuff. You know, and when he's right, I mean, his problem sometimes is just command, being able to locate. But he's got good stuff. And, you know, when and, and, if, and if certain pitches are not working for him, he's, he's smart enough. To figure out, say, look, this is not working. I've got to go. You know, I've got to go to secondary stuff. And the secondary stuff, you know, has, has worked. I mean, he's done a really good job for the Yankees. Look, he, that was a big question mark. That I mean, he's coming off two Tommy John surgeries. So a lot of questions. But I mean, honestly, I think it was Garrett Cole who suggested to Ryan Cashman to take a look at him because they were teammates in Pittsburgh together. Right. So he knew him and he wanted to just throw his throw you know throw his two cents in and say, listen, I think he's he's worth a shot. I know he can pitch under the right set of circumstances. And you know, and he and he's done well for, oh, and the aggregate he's done very well for the Yankees. So you know, the Yankees sometimes you look, sometimes you gotta get help. If you're gonna win, especially where the Yankees are playing right now, you gotta get help from unexpected places. And you gotta get con- contributions places that you really didn't think were gonna be, you know, light up the Christmas tree, if you will. And, and you know, and this is one of those places. I mean, he, he except he, he didn't perform well last year, he's just carrying it over this year. But when you have a year and you, you're coming out of like sort of sort of a, a, a difficult a, a career situation, and you have a year like he had last year, you say, Okay, now do it again. You know, yeah. say Vanessa Cortez pitched well at the end of the year. Okay, let me see what you got. First time around the league, they what do they know? You know, let's see what you got. Let's see what you got now. Oh, showing you what you got now. So yeah. I mean, you got hit. I mean, the Yankees are just make everybody is contributing. I mean, guys like Torres wasn't playing particularly well the first month of the season, playing much better now, contributing now. LeMay was a little slow. LeMay was playing really well. Rizzo started to pick it up again and just was carrying the Yankees for a little bit of time. It's great. Judge started off to a slow start. Now he's he's on fire. He's playing like uh, like you know Aaron Judge who wants to be the best player, wants to be the highest paid player in the game. He's playing like it. He is. Right now he is, so you know we'll see where all this goes. But there's just a, there's just a lot going on right now. Everybody is performing, sort of. I mean, you know, everybody's performing. To me, in some cases, I think they're performing something beyond their capabilities. In some cases, I, I have to ask your opinion on this because I I think Luis Severino, once he gets enough innings under his belt, because let's not forget, for three years, 19, 20, and 21, he made a total of five starts: three in the regular season, two in the postseason. He's already made six. This season, fans have to take, in my estimation, a baby step approach with Severino. But I think, Flip, once he gets his legs underneath him and once he gets command back, I mean, he's been up and down so far this season, but he's still given the Yankees length. He's given them enough length to get to the bullpen and give them a chance to win. I think he's going to turn things around. I think he's going to be that dominant pitcher we once saw. Well, the good news to the Yankees is he doesn't have to be at this moment, right? Because the Yankees are getting pitching. If you said to me at the beginning of the season, and people did, and I did say the Yankees' best chance to win if they're going to win this thing is going to be that Cole has to be Garrett Cole and Severino has to be Severino, and that was kind of a lot to ask for. Given you know, like Cole's sort of the end of the season last year was inconsistent and didn't have that great start in Fenway, and 
So there was issue. There was some not, not question marks. He's got too much talent to question. Just that there was just some. You know, I mean, what's going on here? What's going on with Garrett? So there was that going on, and then you got the situation with Severino coming off the Tommy John, and you say, I mean, can he really be that dominant again? Can he? And he, if he is, he's got to be dominant quickly because the Yankees, given that the the way that division is is constituted. With with uh, Tampa Bay and with uh, Toronto and even the season started, even Boston to some extent, although they've fallen by the wayside already. But the, with those two teams in there, Yankees have to win. They couldn't afford to fall, fall too many games behind because you just can't do it, not in that division. So they, they had to win, and they almost had to win immediately. And those guys had to be those guys. Well, the fact of the matter is they didn't have to be those guys because Tyone has pitched the way he's pitched, Montgomery's pitched well, and Nestor's been out, outstanding. So, and the fact that Cole has found his way has been great. So if Severino struggles a little bit or is finding his way, the Yankees can be patient with him. Not that they weren't going to be, but now they really can be because they've got the luxury of the, the wins on their side. Now, I don't, I don't know. You, you brought up Nestor a couple of times and how can you not when you're talking about the rotation, because he's been absolutely phenomenal and lights out. And like you said, you made the great point, you know, the first time through the league, what the, what the heck do they know? But now he's proving it, not only to the rest of the league, but to his team. Hey, look, <laughs> I can do this and I can do this every fifth day. And I don't know about you, but there's something about watching him pitch flip. There's something about watching the way he works, trying to get inside his head, what he's going to throw next, watching his outings. It's so much fun for me, even even if he doesn't have it for a little bit. It's still fun to watch the machine going on in the brain. I mean, he, he drops down, he changes arm angles, he's changing speeds. I mean, the thing that's really the thing that really has made him into a pitcher, though, because he's not. You look at his velocity. The velocity is not. I mean, it's 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 decent, but it's not overwhelming. It's not the kind of velocity you look at and say it's overpowering. It's not the velocity. It's it's the movement and it's the location and it's the cutter. The cutter has made him a dynamic pitcher. That was the one pitch he lacked, the pitch he developed. Now that, that's a weapon, that cutter. Now it really is. So, I mean, the fact that he's got that to go with other pitches, the way he can pitch and change speeds, he's, he's a pitcher. He's not a thrower. Some guys are throwers. Young players are usually – he's not a young player, by the way. He's 27. But He's 27, but, which yeah, is still but, relatively young. <laughs> well, still relatively young, but, but you know, it took him a while to find his way. But the cutter – especially, and he said after the game to our Meredith Morakovitz, he was locating the cutter. When you locate that cutter, you could break a bat, you get soft contact. You're not going to have a lot of damage done when you locate that cutter where you put it where you want to. Yeah, that's the, that's the secret of command. Is that when you put a ball where you want to put it, you could usually mitigate damage and you, you will, uh, and mitigate uh, you know getting yourself into a lot of trouble because you're putting the ball where you want to put it. And experience and guys who have the gifted who have that gift of command can literally can set some hitters up. They go in, they go out, they go up, they go down. They tr- they pitch to all quadrants, you know, and then they change speeds. I mean, they become. They really get hard to hit because they're not throwing any pitch at a consistent speed, and they're not. And a lot of the pitches, the movement is there on all his pitches, which makes it very difficult. But the thing is, he's also got different kinds of movement depending on what pitches he's throwing. You know, so it makes him really super effective. I mean, he's he's been incredible. He really has been. And uh, but you know, the, again, the starting pitcher of the Yankees in the aggregate has been unbelievable. The bullpen has been. Just as, I mean, this is the best bullpen in baseball. There is no bullpen. You saw it last night. So and we were talking about it last night in the telecast. It's, look, Toronto could, could stay with the Yankees in a lot of ways. But when it came to get, once you get in the bullpen, the Toronto had, the, had has some arms at the end, but they had the arms in the middle are very questionable. And the Yankees strike the middle of them. The Yankees, the middle relief on the Yankees is outstanding. That's yeah. I mean, those guys could close on some of the teams. 
that's how good the middle relief is. And, and, you know, we talked about this last week, but it's worth bringing up again. It's like a Swiss army knife of arms out there for Aaron Boone. Uh, I saw, I saw something too today because uh, Clay Holmes came in and got a huge double play. He's got three ground into double plays and seven double play opportunities. That's 43% flip. And the major league average is 10%. I mean, if you have a kind of guy like Clay Holmes out there who could pitch a worm burner into a double play to get yourself out of a big time inning that could go haywire in, in a, in a hurry. I mean, these are different guys that can help you out in different ways. And so far, like you said, they're the best in Major League Baseball. They have a 239 ERA. Yeah, but I mean, here's the thing, too. When you look at Clay Holmes, I mean, he came from Pittsburgh. I mean, Pittsburgh is not necessarily known for uh, its stellar record the last, you know, I don't know, several years. You got to give Brian Cashman credit and for that. You really saw do. something there that the Pittsburgh didn't see. The same thing with Tyone. I mean, the Yankees, the Yankees saw something. Well, I know it was a recommendation from Cole, but, but still in all, I mean, something said to them, uh, okay, this is worth the flyer. And and we're a, a team like Pittsburgh, we would think would be could recognize talent and try to keep it. They don't, they just, you know, I mean, they, the reason the Yankees are the Yankees is that the, their valuation and recognizing talent. And, you know, I, I'll even give, I'll even say, how about this? Stan, how about Stan? Yeah. Now, Stan, Fred, the first, let's call it what it was, first two years he was here, he didn't, he didn't overly impress anybody. First two years he was here. A lot of it was injured. Let's be fair. Let's be fair and call it what it was. He was injured. Okay, but still, they didn't play, didn't do this, and that. A lot of money, people were getting on him. Is this guy worth it? Is that, I mean, really, what are we giving to get him? That was tied up a payroll, he's doing whatever. Well, nobody's saying that now. No. He's, uh, <laughs> when, he, when he gets hot, he's as good as anybody in the game. And, you know, he's complimenting the, that offense in, in, in so many different ways. And by the way, he's a hell of a right fielder. I mean, I don't know if anybody's noticed he that he's the right field the way he does, but he does. So he's play, giving you defense. He's giving you offense. I mean, what more do you want? Well, I got to ask you, you were there last you were. You were there last night when he hit that three. When he hit that three. When he hit the three-run homer. Yeah. How loud was that place when he hit it? I don't know. I was on the line getting ice cream. <laughs> so I, I don't really know. I missed that part. Um, no, I'm kidding. I, uh, I, uh, it was loud. It was really loud. And you know what's amazing to me is that how many balls he mishits. Like yeah. he just, he just, you know, makes some kind of contact. It's not even full contact, and the ball goes out. Now, I don't want to. I don't want to hear the. I don't want to hear any more about Chris Woodward, please, with the that nonsense about. Uh, oh, for God's sake! I mean, it's the, the the look. It's not like somebody between innings, uh, Chris, takes the the fences and moves them back for you. The fences are the. I, Michael did a great job. I mean, doing what he did. He was taking pictures, saying "Welcome to Williamsport." I mean, I thought I thought that was pretty yeah, funny. Yes. But uh, the the fences are there. Have for a warped sense team. of humor. That's really what it is. You and Michael have warped sense of humor, both of you. So we think it's funny. But okay, I'll go with it. Sure. It was hilarious. I was laughing so hard my side split. No, but, but yeah, but go ahead. It, it's it's three fourteen for both teams. Of course it's, it is. I mean yeah. it's like saying it's like saying, you know, uh, if there's a wall in, in left field at Fenway Park. Oh, I get it. Sure, okay. And what does that mean? Well, that it means that you hit that you, no, it means that you build your team, you build a team to every team that wins as you play 81 games at home, you tell your team to at home. I mean, if you have a, a team that's uh, you're playing on the old days of AstroTurf and all that, you know, the, the, the outfield and the, well, the ball's accelerated between the outfields, you have the speediest guys, you got the fastest guys you could find to play the outfield. 
it, it, teams that had you know, grass outfields, you didn't need to have that kind of speed. But on, on AstroTurf, you needed it. So you build your team around the around your ballpark. You have to. If if you if you have a, you know, you're playing in Fenway Park, you need dominant right hand hitting because you're going to take advantage of the wall. Certain ballparks you want dominant left hand hitting with full power because you want to take advantage of a porch. I mean, nobody's complaining. Cincinnati is a band box. Philadelphia oh, is a band box. We could do this all day long. I and mean, if somebody has a, has a, a, a thing up there behind that, oh, we lost the game because it's a little league puck. Well, guess what, pal? It plays the same for you. You, you. So, you know, get your little leaguers up there and see what you can do. I don't want to hear that. That's crazy. That's a stupid. That was a moronic. I'm sorry. And I know he's a good baseball man. And I don't yeah. know. Really, but that's kind of a moronic statement. If I even open my standard. Can I, be candid? Can I once be candid? Yes, yeah, moronic. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. 100%. It's, it's great. It's, it's, it's a, like the dumbest statement you can make. It's so what it is. You know what? I, exactly. And I think go after he club. said that. Go to the ball club and find me. I think after he said that yes. and walked away, he was like, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm probably going to catch hell for that. Why the hell did I just say that? So maybe in the heat of the moment, but still. Didn't he play? Didn't he have a cup of coffee with the Yankees? Didn't he yes, play? He did. Yes, he did. I believe he so did. So that was available to him, too. So. Well, obviously, he didn't take advantage of any of it <laughs> because I don't know that he was much of a hitter. And I, I don't know what his numbers are. I, mean, I, I don't remember him as much of a hitting uh, player. He was a good defensive player. And it's yeah. more, you know, but I don't think he was. Let's stay there with the defense since, since okay. you brought it up. What has impressed you? Let me say that the most. Who has impressed you the most with this Yankee defense? Is, or is it a collective in your eyes? Yeah, I mean, the shortstop play has been magnificent. Uh, he's been just incredible at short. I, I have a lot of respect for what he's done. That was a great pickup by Brian, knowing that they had to do something defensively. And he's been, be, and plus, he's been hitting, which a lot of people didn't think he would hit much because career wise, he hasn't been a. a much uh, for average, but he's hitting very well here, and it's a little power. So he's been done his job, and then and then some. Donaldson's played well, but uh, I mean the fact that uh, I mean look at Arshilla was a really good defensive player. He had limited range though, I mean, he really did. He put him at shortstop. He was a very he had really no range at all. Third base, tremendous. Very, yeah, very short-handed. Well, he was he was okay except on his glove side. Yeah. On his yeah. glove side, he wasn't strong uh, as a third, but not as strong as he should be. But other parts of his game, right out of him, he was magnificent, great at it. But you know what? The Yankees improved. The, 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 thing, the whole thing is they had to tighten up the defense. They tightened it at third. They tightened it at short. They tightened it at catcher because you don't have a, you don't have the drama that existed for the last right. couple of weeks. Right. So that's that's what Hicks and center. You know Hicks went to center. Now you got Judge playing center. Got Stanton staying right. healthy. You know everybody staying on the field, staying healthy, contributing. Their defense in the outfield is, is tighter. And having Lacastro come off the bench when you need him to do what he needs to do as a late inning, if you need him, run the bases, do whatever. He's been a weapon. He's been what Tyler Wade was in theory, and in some ways his practicality. Because I don't want to knock him. He played he played well for the Yankees. Lacastro is better. He's a, is better all around. To me, the, the the corner outfield positions and the arms you have out there, and you brought up Judge in center. I'll I'll take him in center every night. And if you listen, to Aaron Boone, Aaron Boone said it the other night before uh, the Toronto game. Yeah. He said, if you ask uh, Aaron Judge, he says he's a center fielder. But the corner outfield and Gallo and and Judge and you brought it up earlier, Stanton. We we, we can't poo poo Stanton in the outfield. He, he's a he's a solid outfielder. I mean, then then you throw. Let's not forget. He was a good outfielder. People forget yeah. in Miami when he played with regularity out there. He was a pretty good outfielder. 
And let's not forget Marwin Gonzalez. I mean, that that's another good problem to have. Trying to find him at bats is 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 a little difficult. But if God forbid the Yankees do suffer an injury, that guy could play everywhere in the infield and all the outfield positions as well. I mean, he has you covered everywhere. So the fact that they brought him into spring training flip and, and he had the spring down there in Tampa that he did over the that month. Uh, it was just a, another added extra incentive for Aaron Boone because now he has him in the Bronx and, and this guy is like plug and play. You could put him anywhere and he's got pop. You know, it's really good and people don't even recognize this sort of thing, but, but, but I appreciate it. We added something to the, to our, to our, our repertoire of, of production stuff in the beginning of the season where we added, instead of just doing the starting lineup, we added who's in the pen and who's on the bench. Oh yeah. I love it. Years. I would preach for years late in the game. Who's on the bench and who's in the pen? Who's on the bench and who's in the pen? We got to keep showing that stuff. It's got to know. But you know, now you start a game and you see who's on the bench. It's right in front of you. Who's in the pen? It's right in front of you. Although the pen is going to stay constant. And yeah. you only listen to one starter because there's no need to go into the other starters because they're really not going to play unless the game goes, you know, 73 innings. You're not going to see the other guys, right? So <laughs> it's, but the fact that they're all there and it's listed, it's right in front of you. And it's beginning of the game. You, should, you start reading it. It's a starting lineup kind of speaks for itself. And the rest of it is just, it's just information you could use, you know? And you, but when you look at that stuff, you realize how deep the, the Yankee, I mean, the, the bench is only three players or four players. Yeah. It's got to be deep. It's got to be versatile. It's got to be, you got to have guys who are Swiss Army knives. They have to be, in some cases, Swiss Army knives. People are capable of not just one position, but multiple positions. That's really what it's about. And when you've got guys who can do that, and speed is such a weapon, and a, you know, especially late in the game when you need a run, you need that extra base to help manufacture a run. Speed is essential, and 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 the teams that win have that versatility, and they have veteran leadership. The Yankees have also. Don't forget the leadership on the Yankees. We haven't talked about that. The veteran leadership on that team is now they're there. There's a lot of veterans on the Yankees now. Guys who played more than five years, who've been around, who know you know what it takes to win and know how to. How to, how to conduct themselves in a clubhouse. It's important. Well, you got, you hear, you hear great things about Donaldson. Uh, you brought up his defense. He's great yeah. in the clubhouse. Rizzo, we talked about him last week. He's never Best. too high, never too low. He's that no. steadying influence in there. And you, you pair him with guys like Judge, who have been up there now. Uh, it's his fourth, yeah. fifth year in the league. So, fifth year is a free agent after this, you know. Stanton, uh, they have such a core of guys that, and I think that's what the booth alluded to today as well. And cause Michael said, he asked Aaron Boone, do you, do you kind of sense a feel like this team has something special? And he, even Aaron Boone admitted it was a little too early, but flip the, the four walk-off wins, the 10 comeback wins out of their 22 wins. Doesn't this have to you, to you, because you've, you've seen a lot of Yankee baseball, you've seen a lot of great teams. Doesn't it have that feel like they're never out of a game and that they're fighting for each other? They're in the foxhole together. It does have that feel, but, but as important of having the feel, the players now believe it. You know, it's like, uh, you know, we could mention our friends across town, the Mets. Yeah. And they, they're off to a great start, too. And they've had a couple of seminal sort of moments where you sit there, whether it was the, the combined no hitter or it was the game where they came back, there were seven runs down, I guess it was the Phillies. Right in Philly. Yep. They back and won that game. You sit there and you say, it's just, this is not same old, same old. And for them, <laughs> for the Mets, 
for the Yankees, it's not the Yankees not in the same old, same old situation because the Yankees have been in the playoffs for many, many years. But this is a question where you look at it and say, you know, this but this team has has an air about it where you start to believe or you start to think that this they could play very special in October. You mean I certainly I'm seeing that. I mean, I I mean I would be surprised. I don't want to say because I'm I'm also superstitious about the game. So I I, I but I would say that I find uh, their play to be above what I really thought it was going to be, and not by a little bit. I mean, I thought they would be an interesting team. I thought they would contend. I thought, you know, but I didn't. But I didn't see them anywhere near playing the way they're playing. And they're playing with conviction. And they're playing with a. There's a spark. I mean, there was a. There was a life to this team when they won last night. There was a. There was a giddiness, a joy, yeah. an emotional outburst. Like that. And sometimes the Yankee teams have been a little staid and not always very emotional. This team is emotional, and an emotion can carry them very far. Let's let's stay there for a second, because you and I talked about this off the air and I want to bring it up on the air. And that is the chippiness that happened in that Blue Jays game on Tuesday. Uh, Now, we both agreed that we didn't think Jimmy Garcia was throwing at Josh Donaldson. He threw him the first pitch strike. That's a tie game. Giancarlo Stanton just hit the three run homer to tie it. There's no way in hell that Garcia wants to put him on and put the game, the, the, the winning run on first base. No, so if this is score to settle, if they have, if there's an emotional, you know, something going on between these teams, somebody feels they have a score to settle, they'll find a place. It's a long season. Yeah. They'll play them again. There'll be a game that's, you know, four, five, six runs one way or the other. And somebody will say, okay, it's time to settle that score. And they'll do it. The frontier justice thing, which nobody says exists, but it very much <laughs> does. So somebody to put will it. find a way to do it. And that'll be that. And then uh, somebody get hit and say, all right, you hit me, I'll hit you. Fine, we're all great. That's the end of that, hopefully. But but that's not the time for last night. I mean, I mean, like, you're really going to hit him, and who are you going to pitch to? We have Donaldson to pitch to who? Who's up after Donaldson? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, why would you do that? What are you, what are you out of your mind? I think, yeah. You know, if anything, you know, uh, the, the behind him is stronger than where Donaldson's been presenting. So there's, why would you do that? There's two things to that. The first thing is we both agreed there was no intent. But, no intent. No. but. If you saw the Yankees bench, and I know you did, Aaron Judge, they they all jumped up on the top step and they had Donaldson's back. They were ready. Judge actually had both hands on the top of the fence ready to go over. Yeah. This is something, yeah, this is something you want to see. And this this is this is why I go back to with the foxhole. They're fighting well, they for each George other. Springer. Let's start that. Let's go there too. We yeah. talk about the, the George Springer Houston Astro, you know, effect, sort of, if you will. I mean, uh, because George Springer has been into sort of a uh, I mean he kills the Yankees too. George Springer just, just annihilates them. And he's a, George Springer is the, probably the best player to ever come out of Connecticut, by the way, state of Connecticut. There but, you go. But he's a really good player. Let's let's give him his due. But you know, he's been a, he's a little chirpy and uh not a, not a fan favorite. Let's put it like that. He's not a team favorite. You know, he says a lot of stuff. And a lot of players that don't uh, don't like him, and a lot of the and with good reason. You know, they don't appreciate him. The fans certainly can't stand him. So, and he's doing his chirpy thing when he hits a home run. And he's putting his hands up, saying the fans, yep. and it was you're chirping too much or shut up or whatever he was doing to them. Yeah. So that didn't exactly sit well. So th- that sort of has a way of rising the blood pressure a little bit, raising the blood pressure. I think that was part of what went on for sure. I just I I tend to like the animosity between the teams. I don't like the huggy feely stuff. I like the animosity. I like Fisk and Munson rather than, you know, A-Rod and Poppy hugging before the game. I mean, I just. Well, they only hugged because they knew they'd work at Fox together. So they, so they hugged. <laughs> that was it. They, 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 you're going to be in a pregame show with a wrestle hug. 
and that was that. That's what that was all about. But uh, yeah. you know, you're right. I mean, you. But you, the, the Amish look. The, the the guys used to be on teams for life, pretty much. Exactly. So their careers, and then they get to they get traded somewhere, or they left someplace. But for the most part, they spent a lot of years. Star players did playing for the same team. So yeah. that changes free agency tends to where changes that and the, 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 you know whatever there's a lot of things that have changed in the game that change that those set of circumstances so you don't see that anymore but the fact of the matter is with guys changing uniforms so much there's a lot of you know guys are playing three four teams and they know all the guys and a lot of these guys are friendly with each other get on the field they you know, they they put it away they play hard they do whatever but at the end of the day they're, they're friendly with each other I don't know how friendly this, these two teams are off the field I don't think they're very friendly at all. So I think that there's a real competitiveness there. And I think the, the you know, I think after last year, I mean, the, the Jays had some swagger about them. They got a lot of young they guys, cocky players. I mean, they're cocky. They're good. They got good young players, but they're cocky. So that doesn't always sit well with veterans either. So there's a lot of, a lot of reasons why they may not see eye to eye, but, uh, but that's okay. It's, it's, it should be. If it strengthens my intensity to want to win, it strengthens their intensity to want to win, use it as a motivator. There's nothing wrong with it. All right, so we have the Blue Jays. We haven't seen the Rays yet this season. I just want to get your feel. I know it's only coming up to the middle of May, but who do you think in the American League can be the Yankees' biggest challenge? I know the Angels are off to a great start, too, with Joe Madden, and that team is flying. Mike Trout hasn't been hurt either. It's a godsend for that team. Otani's off to a, a, a fast start to the season. Rendon. About to. Yeah, I mean, you, you – who could be their biggest challenge if it's not a division? Who is it? If it's not in the division, yeah. Houston. Okay. I mean, I don't, don't, don't forget about them. I mean, just because we played, you know, six weeks or whatever we played, and the Yankees are playing the way they're playing, which is great. But six weeks does not make a season. You know, it just doesn't. And I've seen teams that got off to tremendous starts, and by June we're out of it. I've seen teams that struggled. Look at look at the Nationals a couple of years ago. Where they were, and then they wound up winning the World Series. So, you know, it's so baseball. That's the thing about baseball that makes it such an incredible game is it's really hard to, to predict. You know, other than the fact that the Baltimore Orioles and the Pittsburgh Pirates and the certain teams are going to struggle, which are kind of almost a given because it's just that's just a fact of life. Yeah. Uh, you know, but for the for the most part, you know, you still you say, what do you got in baseball? There's one, two, three, four, five, six, not seven or eight spots, five elite teams, four or five elite teams. There's a couple of really good teams, and then there's like a middle of the pack teams and then there's a lot there's the rest it is what it is and so but the fact is the american league you look at the american league and you go i mean who, who would this the only league do you love the yankees are playing great all right toronto's going to be hurt from for sure although the, the yankees have had their way with them right now which is good for the yankees but we'll see with the wild tampa bay was was not playing well at all and you turn around they were a game a game and a half behind the yankees yeah. even after the start i mean they just they won what nine in a row or ten of eleven or whatever they won and you look at them, and all of a sudden, it's, and they're doing it without starting pitching. Their starting pitching has been decimated, and they still yeah. go out and they play the way they're playing. So yeah. you sit there, you go, I mean, there, there's something going on. Always is with them. So they're there to be. They're they're always a force to be reckoned with. Even with even with all the changes that they've made, and with Meadows and it was gone, some of the players are gone, and we're there, and there's significant players, but still, you know, they get out there. I mean, it, that shows you the way they construct that team. Everybody knows their role. You know, it's a team of role players. It's not a team of stars. It's role players. But everybody knows their job and everybody compliments each other. And that, they, they are a team in the true sense of the word. 
That's what makes them so dangerous. And they got a great manager. Their manager is great. Kevin yeah, Cash, Cash is, is phenomenal. He's great. And they got top people above him too in the, the front office. So I'm not, I'm not saying other teams don't. I'm just saying they have a really strong front office and a strong manager. So Our, that helps them too. So they're there to be reckoned with. Houston, I still think is in October, you don't want to play them. They just they they can they can find ways to beat you. Are you shocked with the Red Sox so far? Yes, I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't see them winning. I mean, the the, the Miracle East, but I didn't see them being as poor as they were. They're playing just. Yeah. They don't have any pitching. Pitching is not there. You know, they still got you know, and a couple of guys. A couple of guys are hitting well for them. I mean, Devers continues to be Devers, and you know, they've got they've got a lot of talent on that team. And and uh, uh, but I, you know, I'm a little shocked that they're playing, especially their manager is really strong too. Of course, yeah, really yeah. So I, I didn't expect it, but they've just they've just not been able to get key outs. The pitching has not been there for them, and. Uh, you know, and you know, not having sale or sales been heard or whatever that, that hasn't worked out for them either right now. So, you know, that's well, what it is. I, I want you uh I want you to tell my favorite story as as we flip the script here. Okay. Uh, and that is one of my favorite stories that you've told me. Yeah. Is about Tom Seaver, the late great Tom Seaver. Yes. And I was just wondering uh, if you could share that with the audience because I, I know what that story means to me and knowing that you knew Tom, um, Scott father, one of my children. Yeah. The way you did, it just, it hits home. So I, I just like you to tell that story. Uh, this would be the story about, let me think for a second. This would be the story about when we first started working together. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay. okay. So what, what happened was this, I mean, I, I knew Tom ten, tendentially. I live in the same town that, yeah, we lived in the same town together for many, many years until he moved to Calistoga to start a, a, a vineyard, which he did, you know, about 10 years ago. Right. But we lived in the same town and we would see each other because I was, we're both in the baseball business. Obviously he played and I did, but I, I was in the television business. I did NBC sports for many years for 17, 18 years. I was a producer at NBC sports for many of those years. I did the game of the week. So I got a chance to meet him on, on several occasions, you know, I didn't know him say hello, but I didn't really know him. I just sort of two ships kind of passing in the night. And Tom was never particularly friendly. You know, he was very competitive. and didn't know, He didn't know he wasn't like one to want to sit down and, you know, share stories with you, but you just, but it's just funny how life turns out like that. So I didn't really have a great affinity for him. I didn't really dislike him. I just didn't know him all that well. So we got a chance to work uh, when he, he came to NBC, he had worked NBC a couple of occasions doing World Series and stuff, but he, you know, he never was here full time. And so in 1989 was NBC's last year with the, uh, with the baseball game of the week package, or at least it would be for a while. And we lost the package to CBS. So the, uh, uh, Joe Garagiola left the package and it was Vince Scully and they hired Tom Seaver to replace uh, Joe Garagiola. So I'm the producer. I'm doing you know, the World Series and we do the playoffs and stuff. I do it with those guys and I'm so I'm their producer, uh, and which is fine. And I, I know Vinny. I've done, done Vinny and Joe. worked up for a number of years as their lead producer, worked World Series and stuff with them. So now we have Tom. OK. And so I, I didn't, hadn't seen him in a while. And so we're doing a game. First game of the season is 1989. So we're having a production meeting and um, we're talking about we're going to do it at the top beginning of the show, which is what production meeting you sit down at 15, 20 people and you go through like the different storylines and different th things in production you're going to do when certain players come up and how you're going to handle a telecast. It's, it's, going, it's just a general meeting of uh, trying to put your resources together and decide how you're going to cover a game. And uh, so, you know, uh, I said, well, his the opening, maybe we'll do this, we'll do that. And he looks at me and he goes, hey, pal, how many Cy Young Awards you got? I got three. I should have had four. 
All right. Three should have four. I mean, it's like 15, 20 people here. It's like, you know, it's a little embarrassing. You says that a little challenging, a little, a little very alpha, right? Very not nice. But right. The, okay. Well, that's fine. It's the way it wants to be, whatever. I, I, I thought about saying something. I said, oh, I don't want to say anything. I don't want not in this environment. I'll pick my spot, you know, but I'll, I'll remember, you know, remember. It's like a pitch going inside. You went inside. Okay. Well, I'll find my spot to come back. We'll see what happens. But, the, but it came about the fifth inning. He's, uh, he hits the talk back. The talk back is something where, if you, uh, it's where you can, he, he could just talk to me and I could talk to him, or I could respond in a way where I hit an all button and everybody hears me. So he asked me on the top talk back for something and I hit the all button. So everybody could hear what I have to say. So he says, Hey, I need so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And I said, Hey, how many Emmys you got? I got nine. I should have had 12. <laughs> well, that was my way of like, you know, get back to him and, and uh, let me mail alpha to mail alpha. So we did that and uh, we never had a problem again. He laughed like hell. We became the best of friends. And, you know, he's uh, one of my best, one of my best friends in life. And I, I dearly miss him. And uh, he was a I, really good friend, a good guy when you got to know him, but hard guy to get to know. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't want to be famous. He didn't suffer fools at all. He was very, very hard to know. But once you could crack that veneer, you couldn't have yeah. a better so he was a good friend of mine, and but that, that Tom was Tom, so he was. I just I love that story because of the complete one eighty that your relationship took with him. Yeah. Not Ooh. not that not just that day, but how you you know you kind of saw him two ships passing in the night. He was kind of standoffish. Yeah, and then I, I was yeah, and then yeah. you wind up being best. I mean. It's just great. And it, it, yeah, the way it worked out, it was great. But we, but we, you know, sometimes you just gotta, you know, sometimes they don't know people, you don't know people, you don't really respect them as, as well as you should, or maybe that's just your way. I don't really know. But he's a very difficult guy. I mean, a lot of people did, were not exactly enamored with Tom, you know, Tom that had very, be very difficult when he wanted to be. But, but the truth of the matter is, but if he got to know you and you got to know him, he, there wasn't a better person because once he trusted you, you were in his, his sphere of trust. Like there was nothing he wouldn't do for you. I mean, I can't tell you all the things he did for me when, uh, when I was hurt in my back and I couldn't walk for a while. And he was always out every day, come over the house. What do you need? What do you need? Couldn't have a better, better friend, just the nicest guy ever. And because we had great respect for one another. I used to see him in the hospital when he was ill. And, and he, you know, and we, you know, we, we got along famously. And I, you know, I miss him very much. He's a good, really good guy. Really good guy. Uh, well, that's a special story, yeah. Flip. And um, the Yankees continue their special story this season. They, they start a four-game set with the Chicago White Sox this weekend. Luis Heal will get the ball. Now, if you're wondering why it's Heal and not Clark Schmidt, it's because Schmidt was sent down on May 1st. He has to stay down there for 15 days and honor the option. So Heal, who has a ERA over nine and a half down at Screen Wilkesbury, but had his best start of the season in his last outing, a five-inning, uh, two-run, nine-strikeout performance. So he'll take that. And, you know, the positive thing is, Flip, that he also impressed in his time last season with the Yankees when when he had command. When he had command, he was lights out. He was great. I mean, he came out of nowhere and it was great. The Yankees have a, a like a boatload of young pitching prospects. Yeah. And, and you know, and don't forget about Herman. No, we can't. I mean, I know where he is, but uh, but uh, but he's, you know, I know that he's had his issues and stuff. I mean, I get that, but if he's still got talent. He's got a lot of talent. So, you know, these guys will be, you know, look, I mean, the way King has pitched, the way Schmidt has pitched, you know, it's been uh, Holmes has pitched for the Yankees. I mean, the, the, you, you talk about unexpected places. 
yeah, that, that made that bullpen so solid. And, you know, and the way uh, and the way obviously uh, you know we've talked about him at, at length in this. Nestor has pitched. Uh, it's really uh, that's really was not expected to be. He was expected to be a back end starter, like a five. You know, number five wins eight games for you nine. That's great. You know, right? Remember, didn't expect this, so he's been just awesome. So you know, again, getting help from unexpected places. The Yankees are just every story has been either you know either you expected them to play well or you kind of you didn't really know how they were going to play, but now the, the report cards are coming in and everybody's coming up with A's and B's, A's and yeah. B plus, A's B, A A plus B, B plus whatever. This, those are great. Those are great marks. So, the Yankees, the Yankees are, special the Yankees are definitely on the honor roll, and I'm looking forward to the next week. So you and I could have another discussion about them next week. This is the Curtain Call podcast with Sports Broadcasting Hall of Famer John Filippelli and me, Chris Sheeran, for our producer Dan Bassone as well. Thank you to Dan uh, for all that he does. And uh, Flip and I will see you hopefully next week. And remember. You can subscribe to the Curtain Call podcast wherever you get your favorite podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody, and thank you. For it. Thank you, guys. Rate, review, and subscribe. That's the, we, we, we don't ask a lot. We're only asking that. So do that. That helps us a lot. We appreciate your help. We appreciate your patronage. And, and uh, thank you for listening. And uh, uh, we'll see you soon. Yeah.